This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to the Muscles Do Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with CD. That's me right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. If you saw it on Twitter, I said it best. It's light on guests, but trust me, it is heavy on the content. I got so much to talk about because obviously it's been such a busy week in the world of sports. Stanley Cup's in the books. You got Women's World Cup going on. A lot of great things to talk about. And of course, if you want to talk to me about whatever you want to get in on, trust me, that Art Co. Equipment Highlight, it'll be open until 11.30. I usually kind of tease what's coming up on the show in terms of guests. But guess what? I only have one. And that is Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked on Saints podcast. This man knows what he's talking about, so we're going to talk about some Saints minicamp takeaways, the Cam Jordan extension, who's going to wind up getting signed next, and a whole lot more. So make sure you tune in at 11.30. But I'd say just tune in for the whole show, and if you want to kind of drive the ship here and and drive the bus, if you will, you are going to wind up being a big reason why the show moves one direction or the other. Because I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but if you want to kind of keep the ball rolling when it comes to the NBA Finals, what's next, AD, what, whatever you want to get into, trust me, I am wide open for the next like hour and a half. That's how this show is going to roll today. So you want to call me up, 337-706-0111. That's the number to the Arco Equipment Hotline. If you want to chat up about anything, it is wide open. Hopefully, you're enjoying your Saturday morning. We're live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing. From the roof to the roots of Acadiana, these guys have got you covered. Just call them up at 237-ROOF. That's 237-7663. And, of course, we'd like to start things off with a little poll question. I'm going to get to what's on tap for the weekend in just a little bit. But I want to kind of put this out there right here, right now. This will be the big topic, I think, for a lot of people. And, yes, it's concerning the NBA Finals and the aftermath. Not necessarily as kind of looking at the Warriors like we did yesterday during Bumper to Bumper Sports about is a championship window closing, which is always a weird question. We did that with the Saints Back in January, and we I think we were all in agreement that the door isn't necessarily closed right now. But, of course, we got to talk a little bit about looking at the other side of things with the Toronto Raptors. And my question to you is this, and this is on Twitter, at 1037thegame. I retweeted it, so it's on my Twitter as well, at Clint Domingue. If you don't follow me already, seriously, you should. It's awesome stuff. And again, follow all of us here at 1037thegame. If you can find them, follow them, because trust me, we got some really cool stuff down the pipeline and it's going to be awesome. But, of course, the poll question for today is, 
Does Kawhi Leonard now stay with the Toronto Raptors? The reason why I'm asking this question is simply because of the fact Kawhi Leonard just won a title with the Toronto Raptors. I'll dive in a lot more detail about that in a little bit later on in the hour, but I'm about to say not too far down the line because there's a lot of things to kind of talk about. Whenever you just look at the Kawhi Leonard situation and what could happen next to the Golden State Warriors and free agency. But, of course, it's simple. Does Kawhi Leonard stay with the Toronto Raptors even for 2019-2020? Let's just go with that. That's that's your barometer. Stay one more year with the Toronto Raptors because things could wind up changing. Of course, that's the big question of the day, at least from my point of view. But, of course, there's a lot more that's causing all this. I might as well kind of talk about what's causing all this and get to what's on tap for your Father's Day weekend. All right, the first thing that's on tap this weekend, it's the U.S. Open. How can it not be? It's something me and Ben have talked about a lot, but I'm going to definitely dive into a lot more about the U.S. Open. Gary Woodland has kind of come out of nowhere to hold the lead after two rounds on Friday, currently nine under his day, started on the back nine, and that helped him take control of the U.S. Open. Kind of take a two-stroke lead. Nothing short of impressive from man that hadn't necessarily been in this kind of position before. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment when it comes to him. But looking at the rest of the leaderboard, Justin Rose, he's at seven under. Really strong day one from him. But day two, not quite as great. He was only one under. But it was still impressive enough to kind of keep himself in control of his own destiny here. Meanwhile, Brooks Kepka not necessarily being as much of a beast as he was in Bethpage Black at the PGA Championship. He's seeking the three-peat. And it's still possible currently at four under, only five strokes behind the aforementioned leader in Gary Woodland. So that's going to be something interesting to see if he can wind up trying to bounce back in the next two days once that weekend kind of gets jump-started. He's, he's going to have to get some things done. I actually talked about it after round numero dos. That he was not frustrated that the shots weren't falling, which I feel like is a huge step in the right. It's just, just a great way to handle things. I'm good at this patient game, so I uh, I know you just need to be hanging around uh, on the weekend. And you know, if as long as they're good pots, it, that's fine. They, you know, they were coming off right where I wanted to. Um, speed seemed pretty solid, and you know, the point is tough to putt on. Um, you know, it kind of does bounce a little bit. Uh, I'm not making excuses; they were good pots, but you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. They might all fall. And that could wind up happening. He could very well be uh, like what he was in the PGA Championship, etching his name in the history books. Because think about this. If he winds up managing to pull off the three-peat and rallies in the next two days, he'll be the first person to do so and hit the three-peat in the U.S. Open since Willie Anderson all the way back in 1903 to 1905, three straight years. In fact, three of his, three of his four U.S. Open titles came within a five-year span Back in 1901 was his first, 1903, 1904, and 1905. So so four of his five came within like a five-year span. I would love to see a guy like Brooks Kepka get things done because he's starting to really show how good he can be. Not, maybe he needs to kind of let up on the power a little bit because I feel like that's something that I've just observed from him. But where in the world is Tiger Woods at this time? Of course, I think we got to talk about it. He made the cut. But Woods definitely does not like his chances. Seeing it even as we get ready for round three of the U.S. Open. That's going to be starting at 11 a.m. At least the major broadcast on a uh, 
on the big Fox, not not FS1, not Fox Sports, regional networks. Oh, wait, those don't exist anymore. But anyways, Tiger Woods, he actually is a little optimistic for the weekend. Right now, I'm, I'm still in the ballgame. There's so many guys with a chance to win. Uh, we got a long way to go, and, you know, we'll see how uh, it shapes up for tomorrow. You know, if the golf course will be a little bit faster, a little bit more springy than it was today, and uh, the scores will continue to back up a little bit. The golf course looks good. I feel good. I like my chances. That's basically what that sounded like to me. Tiger Woods getting things done. Getting things done. He's making the cut, but it's definitely going to be an uphill climb for him. Biggest surprise to me has to be kind of Xander Schauffele, his bad Friday, so I'm dipping to tie for 11th. He was actually kind of in a in a dead heat in second place. It wound up kind of falling apart in day number two, and now he's, a, now he's tied for 11th. But again, I brought it up earlier. Gary Woodland, this guy you probably wound up just looking at the leaderboard when you woke up this morning and were like, who the hell is Gary Woodland? Just like you had him, uh, your boy, Vern Lundquist, be like, who the hell is Happy Gilmore? And this has to be the biggest surprise leading the field because he only has three PJ Tour wins, two of them on the left coast, of course, and the, one of them being at the Waste Management Open, which is just apparently a glorious event from what I've been able to hear over on the Twitter sphere. But it's even crazier when you see how his previous performances had been. His previous highest finish was in 2011 when he tied for 23rd. This is a guy that hasn't necessarily been able to get things done in the U.S. Open. Sure, you've had it at different venues, obviously Pebble Beach, Shinnecock, all these great places in the past. I feel like you have to be able to step your game up at a high level in these kind of tournaments to be able to be involved in them. And it just he hasn't necessarily been able to get in there. He's had a lot of cuts. He's wound up hitting towards like tied for 50th place. That's not where you want to be, but he's all of a sudden almost Bill Murray style Caddyshack underdog story out of nowhere could very well take things away from the Justin Roses and the Brooks Kepka playing spoiler come Sunday. Again, I think he'll be teeing off a little bit later today. Tiger, I know he'll be starting off his round three around 2 p.m. That's on the West Coast. So God only knows when that's going to wind up make what time that is over here in Central Standard Time. Maybe I'll be able to catch a movie and enjoy that before kind of we see Tiger Woods back out on the golf course. But, of course, there's a lot more going on when you look at the world of sports. And the next thing I'm going to get into, and, man, I am just amped up because of the fact that it's College World Series time. LSU is not involved in it. And I understand not necessarily everybody's as amped up about it. But guess what? I have to be. It's just a great time of year. You get to see just all the great stories happen in the world of sports happen. It, the next two weeks, the world of college baseball descends at Omaha, Nebraska. It's the end of the line for college baseball and into the collegiate year. When you really think about it, I'll get to some of my thoughts on LSU's collegiate year that was. But it's been a wild one when you just look at the tournament. Not necessarily as many Blue Bloods, of course. You've got Florida State. They're still in there. Mississippi State, Arkansas. Some of those young guns that are starting to, starting to become a perennial. That are starting to get things done and be able to make the Omaha field consistently. The defending national champs, Oregon State, they're not there. You've got, they didn't make it a regional play. Number one seed, UCLA lost to Michigan. Of course, Tigers ended in a disappointing fashion. I won't bring that up anymore, at least in this segment. But, of course, it's going to be something to look forward to when it comes to college baseball. I want to see Florida State win. And it's not because, oh, hey, you know, they beat LSU and they I want to see it kind of continue the streak. 
of teams that beat LSU eventually win the national title. I want to see Mike Martin go out on top. Mike Martin is a respectable guy who I feel like everybody I've talked to over the past like few weeks about Mike Martin, nothing but respect for the man. And that's just great to kind of hear because you don't necessarily get to hear that as much anymore when you look at some of these head coaches, not just in the SEC or in the ACC, but just in general. You usually hear like, like one or two of them are like, oh, man, never a bad word heard about him. Every other one, there's always just that I like him, but I like him, but that's the big thing when it comes to kind of coaches' personalities. But I feel like Mike Martin is the model of consistency. He's never had a season where he wound up going sub 500, and that's nothing short of impressive. I can't wait to see what he winds up doing, but it's going to be a tough draw because he started with the Arkansas Razorbacks later tonight at 6 o'clock first pitch. And I was going to try and get my guy Ben Creighton on to talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks, their road to redemption after they got after they lost in the College World Series final. A drop foul ball wound up costing them everything. Not necessarily we're able to, but I have to say, you know, one of the other games I'm looking forward to is Mississippi State and Auburn tomorrow night. Is This one's going to be fun because, in fact, well, one, you know, the Eagle slash War Eagle. War Eagle slash Plainsman slash Tigers head coach kind of saw this coming. And Butch Thompson talks a little bit about the fact that he's going to have to face off against Mississippi State. Of course, out of 297 schools, of course we're playing Mississippi State. Of course that's who we're, we're playing. But but Ethan's special to me. His family's special. Uh, there's a lot of those guys, uh, you know, Skelton and <laughs> Jake Mangum and, you know, just all the way around the field, a lot of those uh, relievers. I wouldn't be the head coach. I may not be sitting here if it wasn't for Mississippi State. And that's just great to hear from Butch Thompson, head coach of the Auburn Tigers, ahead of a big weekend for his team. Can they wind up trying to pull off an upset and beat the Bulldogs and put the Bulldogs up against the ropes? I don't think it necessarily can be done because that team is just loaded with absolute monsters, especially at the dish. And the last thing to kind of talk about looking ahead to this weekend, outside of Father's Day, obviously. Women's World Cup action. They're back in action tomorrow. I think it's like around 11.30. And they'll be back in action tomorrow. 13 goals to open up group play for those good guys against Thailand. By the way, it's the capital of Thailand. But anyways, so the Women's World Cup, what a dominant performance from the women's team. They wound up just looking dominant, but they're going to be facing a Chile team that wound up losing 2 nothing in their opener. But, you know, they'll wind up probably securing a spot here in the – women in the knockout stage because of their massacre of Thailand and also if they can wind up winning against the other, against Chile. I think that I think you do that, you secure the bag and you're good to go. Looking at the rest of the field, it's definitely a European influence with France, Germany, Italy, and currently they're England. They're all in there. Two and at, in group play. They're probably gonna wind up more likely than not making the group of sixteen. Because it's all about who winds up make it's your first place teams all four, all the first place teams in the group, first and second, and then the three highest third place teams will all consist of the round of 16, so they just need to get one more thing. That's going to be just something really cool to kind of look ahead to. And our neighbors to the north are also having a good time as well, currently two in, are currently leading Group E, 1-0. They play in New Zealand later today with 2 p.m. kick in our neck of the woods because, of course, this is being played out in London, England. And then the last thing I want to talk about, this is kind of just a heads up for those who are 
big soccer hooligans here in Cajun country. The CONACAF Gold Cup starts tomorrow. The U.S. Open, the U.S. will open up the play of that at 9 o'clock on, I believe, Tuesday. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on going forward. And hey, guess what? Like I said, our poll question of the day is all about what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. What's next for him? Does he stick around or not? 337-706-0111. Call me up right now if you want to. We'll be back with even more of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Not necessarily the hot stepper, but hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning nonetheless. And my goodness, I think obviously the biggest topic of them all, and this is probably the hottest of them all, has to be without a doubt. What's next for Kawhi Leonard? The Toronto Raptors won the whole thing, and I absolutely loved it. Of course, I wound up hearing a lot of hot takes about did Toronto deserve it? Trust me, Toronto damn well deserved it. They absolutely earned that thing when it comes to what they've been able to do on the court. They want to be in phenomenal. This is a little, I talked about a lot on Thursdays at Bumper to Bumper Sports about the 2003 Florida Marlins. They weren't supposed to be there. They were a sub-500 team, one foul ball away from not making the World Series. Chicago would have wound up getting in there. Thanks a lot, Steve Barbin. That's the last thing I'll, time I'm going to bring up Steve Barbin on these airwaves, at least as far as I can tell. But what I'm saying is the fact that the Toronto Raptors are, were a lot like those Mar- that Marlins team that year. They weren't necessarily supposed to be there when you looked at it before the season, after the Kawhi Leonard trade, because it felt like the Kawhi Leonard trade was just, oh, hey, we're going to get him for one year, a lot like what the situation is with Anthony Davis and the Boston Celtics, which I'll get to later on in the program. But, of course, that's what everybody and their mom is talking about at this point in time. What's going on with Kawhi? What's going on with Kawhi? What's next for him? He just won the NBA Finals, his second one, second NBA Finals MVP when it comes to his career. And they can get a big Game 6 win. Of course, everybody's going to talk about the fact, oh, Kevin Durant was injured, Klay Thompson was injured, Boogie wasn't 100%. Well, you know, sometimes this is what happens. And honestly... I say sometimes that's just how it goes. It, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the fact it happened because guess what? That, well, that sucks for them. It makes, it makes these finals a lot less interesting, a lot less entertaining. I felt like because it would have been great to see those two face off in a best of seven series with everybody healthy. But here's the thing: the Toronto Raptors left their behind in the regular season, so they know what they were going to do against them, regardless of who was going to be out there. 
So if everybody wants to kind of put an asterisk on it, fine. Put one on there for all I care. Because guess what? That's not going to matter when it comes to, oh, hey, the Larry O'Brien trophy went to who? Like, you want to go to trivia night? You're not going to say, oh, hey, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA title in 2019. Uh, Steph Curry was the MVP. No. I'm sorry, but here's my point. The Toronto Raptors absolutely deserve a lot more love than they're getting, especially from getting the national media aspect of things because everybody wants to kind of give the pity party to the Golden State Warriors because, oh, man, all these players were injured. They they were going to win with all – who's to say they couldn't? Who's to say that they couldn't? You still got enough guys on the court to put up together a starting five. Am I wrong? Maybe not the best starting five in the world, but guess what? You've got one of the best players in the NBA, Steph Curry. You've got some really good players on the other side of that. You've got some really solid players, but no, you want to, you want to. Oh no, they can't. They can't do that. Guess what? They just did, and they made that look easy. I, I absolutely loved seeing the, the Toronto Raptors win it, largely because. I like seeing the underdog win it. I am a big fan of the underdog winning. I love those kind of things. And this was an underdog story. The Raptors weren't supposed to be there, and I loved every second of it. Give me that over, you know, the dynasties, these dynasties in the NBA, MLB, NFL. Give me some fresh blood, for goodness sakes. Give me something really fun to kind of sink my teeth into. Give me that instead of the same old song and dance with the Toronto, with the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers. After the quadrilogy we had, I thought it would have been a lot. Is the championship window closed for the Warriors this year? I, I am like, yeah. But more beyond that, hell, they, they can wind up probably winning one more before Steph Curry's career is all said and done. It just depends on what kind of pieces you can put together. But you know what? Give me something new from the Western Conference and give me something new from the Eastern Conference, even if it's the Raptors next season, if Kawhi Leonard stays aboard. Give me that instead of just the same old dog and pony show where I'm sitting here like, okay, we're seeing the same exact teams face off for a fourth straight year like we did with the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. I got tired of that after the second time around. And what happened the third time, it makes you just really not feel like watching the NBA Finals. And that was kind of how I was this year. Just wasn't necessarily feeling it as much as I have had in the past, mainly because, oh, hey, you know, it's a different team. But at the same time, you just felt like it was going to be Gold State's year once again. Just very, very frustrating for me to kind of just see that. But, of course, I'll talk about what's coming up next for Kawhi Leonard. The poll question's up on Twitter at 1037thegame. You can vote on it right now. And that is... Does Kawhi Leonard now stay with the Toronto Raptors? And, of course, this is considered the fact that they just won a Larry O'Brien trophy. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. And you're listening to Under the Dome. Round the famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here at Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And yes, I will talk a little bit of soccer right now. Just kind of start off the segment now that this rejoin challenges me once again. A little update concerning the Women's World Cup. Another big match day. Matchup two of three whenever you look at the Group E with the Netherlands beating Cameroon 3-1. to one. The home of Pascal Siakam, not exactly a soccer country, at least when it comes to facing off against a really good team in the Netherlands, 3-1. Canada's going to be playing New Zealand later today at 2 o'clock. And then you got Sweden and Thailand facing off against each other tomorrow at 8 a.m. And then the match day 2 of 3 will wrap up tomorrow at 11 a.m. with United States and Chile. I'd say that's one hell of a Sunday, especially if you're Fox Sports. Because for one, you'll have that. And you can probably just bleed into that with your U.S. Open coverage of the final round. Obviously, they'll probably want to put that on FS1 for a little bit. And right after the United States wraps up against Chile, or maybe just maybe it winds up being another 13 nothing ball game, they'll just cut it. They'll just Cut over to it. 337-706-0111. If you want to talk soccer, if you want to talk NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard, whatever it is you want to talk about, I am wide open, my friends. And, of course, I wanted to get to this last segment. I just didn't necessarily have enough time to go long form into it. That's kind of how it goes when I just start rambling to open up the show about everything that's going on this weekend. There's a lot of stuff that was going on this weekend, so kind of – Bear with me here. Kind of getting the bearing straight. Because usually try and book guests here in these kind of segments, but not necessarily able to kind of work. But, you know, like I said, Raptors won it all. Great game six. And the Raptors took it home, and it was full circle for basketball. Because you had to remember, Dr. James Naismith, Canadian, the first ever game in the NBA's history. And, of course, this could be alternative facts, but first game ever played in the NBA was in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, back in 1946 at Maple Leaf Gardens. I don't think Maple Leaf Gardens is open up anymore, but they played there. Now Jurassic Park was the site of just a fantastic moment in time for the Raptors. And now we just got to look at the present day. And everyone here is locally anticipating what's going to happen with the AD trade. I'll get to that probably later on in the show because I just want to kind of reserve this segment to look ahead to what's next for Kawhi Leonard. Hour two, I'll probably also talk about what's going on in the latest concerning your boy, your Golden State, what's going to go on with KD, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kenny Keeping going. Can he put the team on his back, Greg Jennings and Madden style? I don't necessarily know. It feels like that's easier said than done when you look at him. But of course, when it comes to Kawhi Leonard and his future with the NBA, not just with the NBA, actually, I should say, but the Toronto Raptors. There's a lot of different ways we can look at it. I think the biggest way we need to look at it is say, hey, Toronto, you just won an NBA title with Kawhi Leonard definitely helping out a lot. Pascal Siakam was kind of a breakout star in there. You saw him do some really good things. Obviously, we could talk about Fred Van Vliet looking really good in game six, especially those clutch threes. Towards the end of the ball game, just a lot of really good play all the way around. You have those guys. You probably add 
maybe one more piece if you can convince Kawhi Leonard to not have like a super max deal because I feel like he's a guy that could be worth that big money deal to the Toronto Raptors, but it'd also be like, hey, like let's add another piece and we can start building a dynasty here in Toronto. The North can become the new Golden State. We can do that with you at the helm. You be the face of this team. We build you up. And we won't have Nick Nurse and you really butting heads like maybe Pop and Kawhi did, especially towards the end of their kind of tenure together. Because you can definitely tell things were a little tenuous, and that was why Kawhi Leonard kind of wanted out. He's, he didn't want to play because of his injury. And I think that was something that maybe just maybe everybody's been talking about is perhaps these other guys, your, your Clay Thompson, your KDs, they should have sat down. I don't believe that hype at all. I'm not I don't want these guys to kind of like sit there and not be ready, you know, and just never be ready to kind of pop up. But whenever you're down 3-1 and you're Kevin Durant and you know you can you can play and maybe not 100%, but you're not thinking about the Achilles injury. I mean, Steve Kerr talked about that a few days ago was that they did not think about that from that perspective. It was all about the calf injury. The, once the calf injury was kind of like confirmed he was he was good to go they moved on from it they handled it the absolute right way they did it the right way and made sure to get some consultation from a second opinion and then also talk to kd about it because i feel like at the end of the day if you're kd and you say you can't go guess what you're not playing at all and that's kind of the where i'm at on this is you need to be able to tell me hey i want this guy to be my star player Every single day. I want this guy to be my guy to talk to on a regular basis. And I want him to be ready to go when he's ready to go. Especially when it comes to an NBA final series. And it's a crucial game. You ask him, can you go? Get a second opinion. All this stuff. Get a doctor's opinion, second opinion, and ask KD. Because if I think KD was your final kind of check mark, your final barrier to pass before you said, hey, we're going to start you. Or, hey, we're going to sit you down and you can just enjoy the rest of the postseason on the bench because we don't want to risk your long-term health for this kind of stuff. We don't want to risk your long-term health because of the fact that we know that you're not necessarily 100%. I don't know what KD said, but I can tell you something probably along those lines. Is he knows how important this series was for the Golden State Warriors to try and get the three-peat. They were, I believe they're the third team to fail getting the three-peat when it comes to, like, an NBA championship. Of course, there's probably some other ones that missed out on the three-peats, especially in the finals. But it's such a tough break for them. And it shows how much, like, you just look at everything in the world of sports and you can definitely draw a lot of parallels to culture, art imitating life almost. I am going to nerd out here for like two seconds. If you've seen Avengers Infinity War, you know exactly kind of where I'm going with this. KD, he chased the ring. He won it. At what cost? I'd say almost everything because you got to think an Achilles injury that takes you out for an entire year, that could wind up slowing your role and making things very tough for you to kind of bounce back and be at the level you were in the past. At least that's the way I view it right now is with KD. I think that's the biggest thing. But when you really look at what's going to happen next, 
with them, it's like it's going to be very much an uphill climb. And now I'm going to get back to the Kawhi Leonard of it all because I think I just really want to kind of bring home the point that Toronto definitely deserved this because they, I think they just they never really were supposed to be there. Kawhi Leonard, that clutch three by the 76ers, really showed how this team's definitely trying to rally and keep Kawhi Leonard aboard as long as you believe possible. That's the biggest thing. And I feel like this is what we wanted to see. A one-year kind of like like with Boogie Cousins, but this one worked out a lot better because it wasn't for selfish gain. Because remember, Boogie Cousins was supposed to sign, was pretty much poised to sign a two-year deal worth like $30 million to be a New Orleans Pelican for the long-term future. He'll have enough time to kind of rebuild himself and get ready to play late 2019, late 2018-19 season and 2019-2020. You know, and then he goes and plays for Golden State. Well, he's looking really good. And then in the playoffs, he hurts his quad. He's done for most of the, much of the playoffs. Doesn't come back until, I think it was, what, game three of the NBA Finals? So you have this guy right here. I can tell you right now, that wound up costing him big. He wound up, He's going to have to get paid the veteran minimum next season. Oh, that's too bad for him. Or he could have signed a deal to your deal with the Pels and not have to worry about hoping to get more than the veteran minimum. If he had, is if I'll say this, if he didn't have that injury, that quad injury, he'd probably have a better chance of getting a extension or a really good free agency deal because I feel like he's got the potential, but you know, Achilles and quad injury, both within like, I'd say a little more than a year's time. That's tough. That's a tough break for him. And with Kawhi Leonard, it's the exact opposite. He wound up having one year kind of situation with the Raptors. And now what happens with him now that they've won the Larry O'Brien trophy, I think he should stay. He should stay sign. I'm not saying sign like a, a Supermax deal because I feel like that's going to be consequential. It's going to be a three to four year deal. It's a three year deal at the at the least, four year deal at the most, because I think the CBAs are going to be coming up very soon for the NBA as well. And you have that kind of situation looming large. Once they kind of get that done, you could wind up having that cap space be even larger for the Raptors and for the NBA as a whole then you can sign him to an even bigger deal after that point. You got to play kind of you got to play your strategy just right to kind of make sure your CBA is in place and you get everything ready to go and move forward. I am looking forward to what's going to happen for the New Orleans Pelicans and the Toronto Raptors because again, give me some fresh blood and I want to see kind of the Toronto Raptors start building their own dynasty. But the important thing is build it their way. We've seen what happens. These This team isn't afraid of taking a risk. The owner isn't afraid of taking a risk to try and better his team however possible. And I love the fact that we're seeing that. The Raptors don't care about what others are thinking of them. Because all they're caring about is making that almighty dollar. And they are making that almighty dollar and looking really, really good doing so. I can't wait to see what the future holds for Toronto and we the North. Can Jurassic Park stay alive or will the dinosaurs wind up running amok 
like in the actual movies. I don't know, but I feel like the Raptors have every opportunity to evolve and become kind of the T-Rex of the NBA, like we've seen with a Golden State, a Miami Heat in the past, a Lakers team in the past, even the Boston Celtics to a certain extent in the late 2000s-esque thing where they were kind of back and forth with the the Celtics-Lakers kind of keep going back and forth, even the Cleveland Cavaliers to a certain extent. Can the Raptors do something they've never done before and go back to the NBA Finals? Because they've never made it to the NBA Finals before, and now I feel like the goal is to get back over there. They need to kind of step their game up. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens with the Toronto Raptors. And I think if you can keep hold on Kawhi Leonard for at least a few more years, you can really build a damn dynasty and really show how it's done right. Like, you don't just be like, oh, hey, you know, let's get LeBron James. Let's get KD. Let's get all these big names and put them all in a pot. And then we wind up having a multiple titles, multiple NBA Finals appearances. No, that's not the right way to do it. Golden State did it the right way, and then Kevin Durant shows up and kind of puts a kibosh on fans liking that aspect of the game. Give me them doing it the right way and signing free agents that are solid pieces instead of, oh, hey, we're just going to sign all these stars and then become what we hate the most, what, what, what the NBA has hated for a long time, that is these quote-unquote super teams. Give me the Raptors doing things the right way and maybe taking a couple risks here and there. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you are as well, especially if you're a big basketball fan. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with even more. I'll look ahead to what's been going on in the world of baseball, MLB, college baseball, and even concerning one raging Cajun who officially signed a deal yesterday. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Our co-equipment hotline wide open, 337-706-0111. The Game is Acadiana Sports Station, and we go wherever you go with the free 1037 The Game mobile app. Has me connected all the time. Catch the live stream anytime or listen on demand to all of your favorite live and local shows. Download the app. The 1037 The Game mobile app keeps you connected to all our blocks and the Clubhouse Rewards Club where you can win spectacular prizes. Play clock at two. Download the free 1037 The Game mobile app today. Presented by Visit Avery Island. The numbers don't lie because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. Set On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live as always from the 237 Roof Studios right here on 1037 The Game. And my goodness, it's a great Saturday morning. Obviously, we got some golf coming up, round number three, moving day 
for the U.S. Open. We'll get started in just a little bit. Honestly, looking forward to that and a whole lot more. This is just going to be a great weekend full of sports to talk about. And I think it's definitely fun to kind of look at what's been going on around the world of baseball, be it college, be it pro, be it even some draft picks signing when you look at what a lot of these teams have been able to do because we're getting around that time. And I'm just honestly enjoying what's been going on lately with a lot of these teams. Of course, kind of get you a little primer of what's been what's going to be going on this weekend. Of course, College World Series. I'll give you a quick primer on that. But first, I'm going to let you hear the soundbite from Tim Corbin. So I'm going to do things change now that he's in Omaha. Well, I just think it's completely different than what you've gone through. It's a championship season, so it doesn't resemble what you've done up to this point. Some ways when you get here, you take a deep breath because it's uh, it's such a struggle, as Dan and Butch alluded to, in terms of getting here. But then once you get here, then you just kind of redefine what you want to do. And I think it's just about trying to play the best baseball you can in this environment. Game doesn't change. The, the outside, the ancillary components of, of the tournament change a little bit, but it still just becomes baseball. But um, where we've, we're taking a, a group of guys that haven't been here before is unique in some ways, but you know everyone gets here at some point for the first time, and it's just a, a, you know really about settling in and, and just uh, trying to center yourselves mentally and physically to to play good baseball. That was Tim Corbin, head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. They'll be in action tomorrow afternoon against Louisville at 2 o'clock. Of course, I'm going to give you an idea of what's been go- what's going to go on this weekend involving the College World Series. Texas Tech, Michigan starting off at 2 o'clock today. Excuse me, 1 o'clock our time. Arkansas and Florida State right after that at 6 o'clock. That's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Hopefully we can see Mike Martin's run in the postseason continue because I feel like this team and this coach definitely deserve a golden opportunity and a golden ticket to win the whole darn thing. Vanderbilt Louisville is going to be a 1 o'clock first pitch. I was looking at it uh, read it as Eastern Standard Time. It'll be 1 o'clock and then 6.30 p.m. Perfect way to kind of cap off your Father's Day and all SEC matchup with Mississippi State taking on Auburn. And then, of course, you're going to get the losers bracket on Monday. Also, the winner of game one and game two. It's weird how they kind of handle things. And you see what happens after that. It's definitely going to want to be in a fun next two weeks in Omaha, Nebraska, with the College World Series Award of Baseball descending upon it. Meanwhile, of course, we got a lot of other things to talk about, especially around the MLB. We'll start things off with the Houston Astros. They sent Toronto to the shadow realm with a dominant performance from Robinson Torinos. Also, you had Jordan Alvarez, another two-run home run. The guy has just been on an absolute tear since getting called up from AAA. I believe that's his third home run in four games. That's impressive from the young buck. Honestly, looking forward to seeing what he winds up doing going forward. Altuve, McHugh, they could want to – they actually got some work done the last couple of days in the Round Rock Express, a Astros AAA affiliate. So that's definitely something you need to kind of keep tabs on heading into the next couple of weeks. Could they be back for the before the All-Star break? We shall see. It's definitely going to be something to kind of keep tabs on into the next couple of weeks. And if, I think the good thing is the Astros, they signed Colin Barber, a big-name draft pick that they wound up getting. And that was something that Channel Rome talked about on Thursday during Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday on Pumper to Pumper Sports. 
about the fact that Colin Barber was a guy you need to kind of sign on and get him ready for a long-term run with this franchise because I feel like he's they, they saved they saved a lot of money up to get a guy like that so honestly we'll see what happens there with him and a whole lot of other guys Kevin Biggio son of Hall of Famer Craig Biggio and lifelong Houston Astro made his debut inside Minute Maid Park he definitely didn't make his big league debut had a two-run home run I believe him, uh, the day before this he mentioned that he was nervous after the game. He mentioned this that he was nervous during his first at bat when he heard Bob Ford over the PA call his name, Kevin Biggio, because he's heard that voice for so long saying Craig Biggio. And it's just when you hear that, it probably brought back a lot of memories and just made him a little nervous. He wanted to do it pretty decently, not necessarily as dominant as he wanted to be, but I feel like, you know, he's a rookie. What more do you expect? With him, hopefully he's just as good as his dad is. If only he was playing for the Strohs. Gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with even more. I'm gonna kind of continue rounding the bases as we start up hour number two because we got some stuff to talk about with the MLB, a big walk-off single for a former Houston Astro and a now former Raging Cajun signs a deal with the team that he was drafted by in the final day. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live from the 237 Roof Studios. In Lafayette, Louisiana, Acadiana Sports Station has got you covered for a lot of great things. And, of course, our number two in a full swing. Hopefully you have a great one so far. Of course, we got to talk a little bit more about the MLB because a lot of great things happened last night. Definitely busy Friday night in the world of MLB. A lot of games on tap last night. A lot of great things going on this weekend as well. But, of course, we got to kind of start things off looking at a former Houston Astro Brian McCann got it done for the Atlanta Braves last night with a walk-off single and also his 1,000th RBI. McCann awaits. Bat cocked behind his left ear. And the 2-2 in the air. Lifted out towards left center, out towards the gap. This is going to drop in. McCann's about to be a hero. Base hit and the Braves win it. They come from behind and beat the Phillies in game one. What an opening act in this humongous series. Absolutely huge whenever you consider what's been going on with those Atlanta Braves. They've been on a absolute tear and currently leading the NL Central by two and a half games. Who would have saw that coming? Me, but it was definitely entertaining to see what was going on between the Braves and the Phils. Definitely a back and forth one 
Braves win 9-8 to and make themselves a two-and-a-half game lead over the Phils when it comes to the NL Central. Some of the noble things going on, a Boston Red Sox massacre. Red Sox destroyed the Baltimore Orioles. But I think one of the things that was really fun was the fact you had the San Diego Padres go 12 innings in a game. Honestly, if you had the over-under set at, let's say, 10, you want to lose them. You want to make it out pretty decently on that one if you had the over-under at 10. It was 16-12 to 12 after 12 innings as Hunter Infro hit his third hit of the ball game. Want to be in the key to giving the San Diego Padres a win. Here's the pitch from Jairo Diaz, and that one is sky to deep left field. Dahl is looking up. This one is way out of here. A two-run homer for Hunter Renfro. His third home run of the game, and the Padres are trying to blow it wide open here in the 12th. 13 plus 2 equals 15. Padres lead 15 to 11 here in the 12th. Just some amazing things going on with the San Diego Padres. Obviously, be the like that's the only thing San Diego's got going for them right now in terms of sports. The Chargers are in Los Angeles, and right now, I mean, it's not exactly a great time to be in San Diego as a sports fan because the mighty 1090 kind of RIP, but maybe could be brought back to life. That's a different conversation for a different day. But the nightcap was definitely a fun one, a back-and-forth battle between the Chicago Cubs and the Los Angeles Doyers at a clutch RBI single from Rich Hill, who also got the win on the night, 4-1 and one on the year now for Rich Hill. He actually hit an RBI single to help the Doyers get the win. There's a looping line drive into short left field for a base hit. Beatty is rounding third on his way home, and he'll score! Rich Hill, with his second hit of the season, has given the Dodgers a lead 4-3. to three. Just amazing. But, of course, I was talking about the Padres-Rockies game. This is actually one of the most improbable wins of the 2019 season, but it's ranked 73rd in Baseball References database for comeback wins sorted by lowest win expectancy in a game in, the, in, that, in a game that the team went on to win. For a frame of reference, with two outs in the eighth inning, the Rockies were up 11-4. to 11-4 to against the Padres, and the Padres rallied back. They had a win expectancy of 0.25%. They were in the end game. They were pretty much going to wind up rolling over and getting it done and get a win, and that was just unprecedented stuff. And, of course, another one that wanted to be in a notable like ball game, just looking at kind of how the win expectancy is according to baseball reference, the biggest comeback of all time, 11-1, to the Doyers losing to the Philadelphia Phillies 12-11, to just just wilding. I'm going to say that, just wilding to see these kind of numbers pop up. But that's something to kind of talk about on a Friday afternoon. It's just It was impressive to see what was going on with that team. And, of course, just looking at kind of how things shake out in both leagues. The AL is definitely kind of standing pat. Astros are starting to really build a significant lead in the AL West, as expected, nine and a half game lead over the rest of the West with the Texas Rangers being in second place. Too bad, so sad. Minnesota Twins, they are continuing to be an absolute bomb squad over there in the land of a thousand lakes. Currently 11 games up in the 
AL Central, AL East. Definitely a lot more of a tight race with Boston Red Sox starting to kind of turn things around. The Yankees are only a half game back of the Tampa Bay Rays. What? That's a weird that's a weird statement to say. Of course, Braves two and a half game lead over the Phils, one game lead for the Brewers over the Cubbies. That's gonna be fun to see what happens over there because that's that's a tightly contested race in mid June. Of course, we also have the NL West. The Dodgers are just dominating ten and a half game lead over the Colorado Rockies. Also, the Arizona Diamondbacks currently at ten, currently both ten and a half games back in the NL West. Of course, we can talk about the Astros all you want because hey, they're we're the affiliate. You actually hear all the action right here on one hundred three seven. The game all summer long is I don't think we have anything else really running interference on it to where we can actually air Astros baseball right here on 103.7 The Game all season long. And I can't wait. It's going to be fun. But, of course, you know, the other thing I want to talk about is the fact Todd Locke, congrats to him, former Raging Cajun now, definitely an absolute monster with the bat, had a really good junior season. He officially signed a deal with the St. Louis Cardinals organization yesterday. This guy is going to be really, really good. Hopefully he can wind up really breaking out in high A ball and want to maybe just maybe making the Cardinals roster. As much as I'm not a fan of the Cardinals, I want to see Todd Lott do some good things in the MLB. I don't want him to be like what we've seen some of these players in the past have done where it's like they just can't quite crack the glass ceiling. And trust me, it's very tough to cr- to crack that glass ceiling in the MLB. You've got to wind up going through all these leagues, and eventually you kind of just got – I think you kind of get tired of it if you're not able to make it to the show, depending on how you were in high school or college or what have you, and you're dealing with the struggles of being a minor league baseball player. If you're not making it within three to four years now, I feel like you just kind of hang it up. But hopefully he does really, really well. Of course, I talked about during the two-minute drill about the Anthony Davis saga. It continues, and it just seems like it's never going to end at this rate. And that, and the big question is, do you trade Anthony Davis before or after the NBA draft, which is be coming up in just a few short days? I am leaning towards saying, on I'm leaning towards draft day or very very close to draft day. And of course, I think the reports are coming out with faith in Kyrie Irving's return dwindling. The Celtics are focusing on Anthony Davis, but they find themselves in a, an unusual predicament. We can just look at what's been going on with the situation with Kyrie Irving. They don't want to go all out and give the Pels, you know, Jason Tatum and everything in between. They don't want to kind of give up God knows how much whenever you look at what the New Orleans Pelicans want. Because I think everybody knows what the Pelicans want. They want everything. They want to have the Jason Tatums of the world. They want to have a three-way deal to where they can get draft picks to build for the future and, more importantly, Build also for the here and now because that's where we're at. If we want to be quite honest with each other, that's what's going to matter most. Whenever you look at what the what the future of the franchise has, what you need to have, if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you need to have something else to fit alongside Zion Williamson because I don't want to see it happen again. Where you know you're Anthony, you're Zion Williamson, and you see you know just Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton. Uh, that's not a playoff team. I'm sorry. I love Alfred Payton to death. I love Drew Holiday, what he's been able to do for this franchise. 
But guess what? Those three guys, I don't think necessarily help make a playoff team. You need to have somebody else alongside those guys to complement them and be competent players. If you have a Jason Tatum, that one's helping out a lot. I'm sorry, but Lonzo Ball ain't going to help matters. Bradley Beal could be a huge help if they can get him, but that seems like an uphill climb to say the least. Of course, one of the big overarching topics, 337-706-0111, if you want to give your take on this, is without a doubt kind of what's going on with Kawhi Leonard and what could happen with him afterwards. I said in the first hour, I think he should. I think he definitely should be. And most of Acadiana definitely agree. It's majority rule, and currently with 13 votes, 54% going yes, 46% going no. And I'm kind of surprised with the kind of the way things balance out. I thought maybe, just maybe, we would have seen it go a little bit more towards yes. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to hate on that at all. Hopefully you agree or disagree with me. Let me know on Twitter at 1037 The Game. Also at Clint Domang. That's you can hit us up. If you're up on the whole Twitter world, know what's up. You can hit me up through there. Talk to me about anything. Trust me. I am very much a guy who doesn't mind kind of expounding upon a lot of things if you want to get in on it, especially come football season. Because that is when I probably spend most of my time on social media. Because like right now, it's very much a, it's a weird time, to say the least. Whenever you just consider the fact of what's been going on in the world of sports, what, what's causing all this, it's just, it is what it is. We're not going to necessarily spend all the time in the world giving the deets and spilling the tea, if you will, about college baseball as much anymore i would love to college world series is my jam but i know not necessarily everybody's really going to give a rat's behind about it especially after the way lsu's season ended towards the end of the hour i'll give my thoughts on that on lsu's athletic year that was i'll definitely give me give you an in-depth look into lsu athletics and what i thought they did where they succeeded, where they failed, and what their overall grade is. I'll give you my thoughts on that later on in the show. But, of course, some other things to kind of talk about, some other housekeeping notes. I think this is just really cool stuff. MMA news kind of has popped up over the last 24 hours. Chael Sonnen, he announced his retirement last night after losing to Lyoto Machida at Bellator last night, announcing his longtime, longtime fighter and also probably one of the smartest guys in MMA, he's definitely made a lot of extra run doing stuff for the Ford Auto Network and a whole lot more. So hopefully you've been enjoying what you've seen from Chael Sonnen. His career is done. He's probably spending more time in the broadcast booth and also doing analysis for the Ford Auto Network and maybe hopping on Jim Rome's show from time to time. And, of course, in related news, more so towards the UFC side of things and also concerning the Resident King, the elder statesman of Fightville, if you will. And that is Daniel Cormier, D.C. According to reports, he could very well be retiring after the fight against Steve Miocic in Abu Dhabi. And of course, I think that's probably the right move because I feel like if he had that possibility of Brock Lesnar as his last fight, I think he'd do. I think he'd stick around and be like, all right, Brock, let's do this. Let's do this fight. I don't care how long I have to wait. If I'm 41, 42, I want to be able to fight you. I'm at, best, at the best of my ability. So why not you and me face off like 2020? You and me just do this. I'll, I'll stick around for one more year to kind of get to this point. And I want to do this. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And 
If you're in, I'm in. That's just kind of where I'm at. I feel like he wanted that fight, isn't getting it, so he's just like, you know, I'm just about done, pal. I'm just about done with this segment. Hopefully you're enjoying it. On this Saturday afternoon, we got more coming your way under the dome with CD, even more. Our home runs ruining baseball? I'll give you my thoughts on that in just a little bit right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037thegame and 1037thegame.com. Every time CD takes the mic is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. And I have to say, I'm definitely a big fan of the long ball. And they say chicks dig the long ball. How can we not love home runs in baseball? It's always entertaining to see that thing just get absolutely mashed. But apparently one person doesn't necessarily think so. Is That's Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. He's a great mind. He's definitely a great writer. But I have to disagree with his take. 55 home runs last night. And he's mentioned it's not baseball, it's bludgeon ball. And it's damaging the sport is basically how he put it succinctly. I disagree with that statement so much. And I'll tell you why. Because it is frustrating to me that we're talking about the fact that home runs are ruining baseball. Steroids are ruining baseball. It seems like every year there's something new to blame. There's some new big bad that I am just frustrated about hearing about, and that is baseball. Home runs are ruining baseball. It is an issue that's it's an epidemic, dare I say, and it is incredibly, incredibly frustrating if you're a fan of of baseball to keep hearing about the new big bad that is ruining baseball. It's a lot like when I read these thought pieces from the New York Post, the New York Times, wherever it is, about how millennials, they're ruining them, they're ruining this, they're ruining that. I'm like, it's not just them, okay? You know, it's not just Home runs are ruining baseball. You know, I say baseball is in a really good place right now because of a lot of reasons. The fact that we've got a lot of youth around it. We've got a lot of young players that are starting to become really good players. So Mike Trout, I think now it's a lot more fun to watch baseball because think about what happened. Like, I'm going to go back even 10 years ago. If you saw a dude bat flip, he'd probably get booed and ostracized like nobody else because it's not part of the game. It's an unwritten rule. I'm sorry, but an unwritten rule needs to wind up changing. And it's not in if it's not in, if it's not in the rule book, it's not a rule. You can say these unwritten rules about you can't bat flip, you can't celebrate. I want to see celebration. I want to see these guys bring that energy to the sport. Is guess what that does? That makes things more interesting to watch on TV. 
if you want to see a dude completely crush one and send it out into McCovey Cove with the San Francisco San Francisco's home park, and he flips the bat and, and just watches the thing go, let him do it. Let him do it. Because guess what? That's going to make the game a lot more entertaining. I could be completely wrong in that statement, but guess what? That's where I'm at. Give me the bat flips. Give me the fist pump from the pitcher. Give me whatever. Give me something. Because guess what? Baseball, it's a sport that is relatively archaic. It's pretty easy to get into. It's relatively simple. But here's where everybody just doesn't think about it. This is my perspective. And I'm, again, I can be wrong. You can disagree with me. 337-706-0111 is how you can hit us up about it. But I got to say, give me the bad flips. Give me the celebrations. I saw a lot of complaints on social media on, I believe this was, it was Wednesday or Thursday. Whenever the, whenever the United States just completely mollywhopped, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Whenever U.S. Women's soccer mollywopped Thailand and sent them to the shadow room with a 13 nothing win, most goals in U.S. history. And people were complaining about celebrations. I want to see people celebrate great moments. One of them was a celebration of the first career goal for one of those players. Give me those kind of celebrations. Yes, whenever you're up 13 nothing, maybe it's not exactly a great look, but guess what? Give me your celebrations. Give me your great moments. Because guess what? You might not necessarily remember, oh, hey, that awesome home run in a game in like on June 14th. You might not remember the home run, but you'll sure as hell remember the bat flip. You'll remember that more than anything. Sometimes you don't remember all the results of a game, but trust me, you bet your bottom dollar a number of years ago, I remember this is something that happened not too long ago with the Cajuns, Cajuns baseball. The walk-off hit by pitch, the way that bat flip, I'll remember that forever. 10, 15 years down the road, I might not necessarily remember who they played against, but it happened. The walk-off hit by pitch, dude flips the bat like nobody else, practically goes into the other team's dugout. That's the kind of stuff I like because it makes the game more interesting. It has There's layers to this, and it makes it more, and it, there's a higher entertainment value for that than just, oh, he hit the home run, run the bases. That's why I love the guys like Max Muncy, the Bryce Harpers. Sure, Bryce Harper might be a bag, but I love the fact that we have guys who are willing to be more celebratory. I might be this young millennial who loves these kind of things as opposed to, you know, the way things used to be. The way it used to be. You know, I keep hearing that. How it is, how it was back in back in my day. That's what I hear all the time. Back in my day. Well, back in my day, I was hearing that all the time as well. And I just want to see this thing turn around. I want to see new things. I want to see celebrations for a lot of stuff. Because guess what? That's kind of the art. That's a lost art, I feel like, now. They don't want you to celebrate success. They don't want you to celebrate how great you are. They don't want you to kind of show your ass a little bit, if you will, and basically make yourself bigger on a grander scale. That's what I'm frustrated with whenever you just look at what the way they handle things. I want to see celebrations. I want to see energy because guess what that does? That starts a fire, not only in the team that did it, but I'd say it probably also starts a fire with that other team who's like, 
I don't want him to do that ever again to me. I don't want him to celebrate. I want him to be able to. I can tell you, that's probably going to want to frustrate a lot of people's takes. When it comes to a lot of like guys on the field. I'm absolutely loving it when it comes to what we're talking about with the celebrations. Give me that over anything. Give me that. You can tell me, you know, it's. I'm not going to say you're wrong on anything. It's just my personal opinion. Celebrations are where it's at. And if home runs are ruined in baseball, give me the ruining of baseball because I absolutely love seeing the long ball become more of a thing. You're not having to be worrying about the PEDs. Because guess what? Home runs are highlight reels. That's awesome stuff. We got more awesome stuff coming up in just a little bit. Ross Jackson joining the show in just a few minutes. Zuck some Saints minicamp, Cam Jordan's extension, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Los Angeles. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? He's now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live for the 237 Roof Studios. And now it is time, it is time for your kind of main event, if you will, when it comes to guests, the one and only guest I was able to book for today's show, and that is our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered and the host of the Lock on Saints podcast He's live on the Arco Equipment Hotline. What's going on, brother? Hey, not a lot, man. Thanks so much for having me back. Glad to be here. Glad to be the main event, even if it's by default. That's probably <laughs> my favorite way to do it. <laughs> hey, so, so, sometimes sometimes you just got to be the one. Sometimes you just got a one match card on it. That's how you got to kind of handle things from time to time, Ross. But of course, I think we got to kind of start things off talking about what happened earlier this week with Cam Jordan signing a three-year extension, even though it's kind of a five-year extension because they signed him two years before his deal ran out, locking him up until 2023. What's the likelihood we can see Cam Jordan retire as a New Orleans Saint? Uh, Very, very likely. I mean, if you consider the fact that 2023 puts him at 34 years old, um, at that point, he's probably going to be, if he extends beyond that, He's going to have, you know, I don't want to say that Cam Jordan is going to have a hard time finding a contract anywhere else, but all I'm saying is that at 34 years old, you have already sort of made the decision that this is where you want to end your career. And so if he extends beyond 2023, um, I have no doubt in my mind that he'll extend while staying in New Orleans. I mean, he basically has already lived up to every word that he's he's said over the last few months that he wants to be a lifer this is what he wants to do he's not worried about being the highest paid guy he just wants to you know establish his legacy in new orleans and he wants to chase ricky jackson's sack record and he's in prime position to do that and so i would imagine that after this contract he'd be going for his last one if he goes for another and he'll stay in new orleans to do that and i think it's definitely going to be huge for him and this team down the line you talk about the fact he's not necessarily getting paid the big bucks. I was seeing a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1037 the game, if you want to check that thing out. 
in terms of social media, when we would put up the article, somebody actually brought up the fact he's like he's not a fan of the deal because it's like it winds up taking money out of guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas's pockets. And I'm, I'm gonna get your thoughts on who's next to sign up in just a minute, but just sticking with that question in particular about does this really take money out of young players' hands? Because you got to think about like Drew Brees is probably hanging it up soon. That's definitely your your biggest like kind of your the thing you have all your money, your chips at the table when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't think that the Cam Jordan contract. Actually, I think the Cam Jordan extension helps out a lot because when you look at the fact that he was already under contract for these next two years, the extension doesn't really do anything until 2021, if that makes sense. And by 2021 is when he moves into a 17 point, you know, 17 and a half million dollar per year conversation, which makes him in 2021 the fourth highest paid defensive end here in 2019. So the top number, the ceiling number, is only going to go up over the next couple of seasons. So with that being the case, and with the fact that the extension really doesn't affect too much the decisions that the Saints can make in 2019 and 2020, after 2020, you have to imagine that Drew Brees has probably hung it up by then. There's the chance that he comes back for next season. I personally, personally, don't see him playing past 2020. And then at that point, your salary cap relief is there no matter what. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, all Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast. And, you know, we're going to get to that right now about what who's the next big name to kind of re-up, be it before the regular season starts or next offseason. Because I feel like the next one, Sean Payton talked about it, Michael Thomas being the next one. Do you see him being the next one, or could we see somebody else kind of be the next guy to re-up for a decent deal? I could definitely see uh, Michael Thomas being the next one. And it was kind of shocking to just see Sean Payton just kind of say that during the press conference. That's not really his game. He's usually very close to the vest about these kinds of things. And especially when it comes to playing skilled position players, which we've seen before for the Saints. I mean, the trade of Jimmy Graham, uh, moving on from Darren Sproles, so on and so forth. When it comes time to pay these skilled position players big-time money, the Saints sometimes will move on. And so it was actually really kind of shocking um, I expected this is that that sort of tune to change when it came to Michael Thomas because you don't get a Michael Thomas within a decade, and so. But it was just out of the ordinary to see Sean Payton just openly say, "Yeah, Michael Thomas is next," and I'm pretty sure Mickey Loomis is working on the contract right now with the front office guys. And so, and so uh, you know, with that being the case, I could definitely see Michael Thomas being the next one. That's not that's not a shock to me. But there's a lot of other options out there too. I mean, you've got Alvin Kamara that, that will need an extension coming up soon because he won't have a fifth-year option, just like Michael Thomas. Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchick will have fifth-year options. They uh, re- they didn't take the fifth-year option on Eli Apple, so he'll need a re-sign after this year if they decide to stick with him. And he's very intent on working toward that extension himself as Apple. And then you've also got other guys like Alex Anzalone, Marcus Williams, uh, Von Bell coming up. Ryan Ramchick, well, Ryan Ramchick will get the fifth-year option as well. So there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of players out there. And that's why one of the reasons why getting this extension done with Cam Jordan and actually getting the extension done with Michael Thomas as early as possible is actually really important because then they'll know the chips that they have to play with. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, Ross. And well, moving over, kind of just talking about some of the players that have kind of popped up out of nowhere during mini camps. I think one of the players everybody's talking about, especially on a local level, Tristan Blewett running back who wound up also being part of the NOLA Gold rugby team. What do you say about him and like what percent chance would you even consider him being part of this 53-man roster? 
53 man roster is kind of tough. I mean, just because of what the Saints have, both at the running back position. They also worked him out at cornerback and at returner. And returner has been a big emphasis for the Saints so far this offseason. You can look at that with signings like Marcus Sherrill, Cyril Grayson, Deontay Harris, uh, even uh, Matt Days as well, the other, uh, another running back that they brought in at the same time as Buck Allen. And so when you look at that, you could sort of see that maybe he'll have, he might have a, uh, sort of a road to the 53-man roster as a returner. But actually, when it comes to Blue, one of the things that I could see them doing is sort of a stash and save on the IR, kind of like they did with Timmy Cobbs last year after they signed him late in the season. I could see them making a move much like that if they wanted to keep him around uh, beyond the 90-man roster. He's actually not even signed to the 90-man training camp roster yet, so it'll be interesting to see within the next coming weeks leading up to training camp what happens with him. Of course, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that end. And, of course, we, I think we also got to talk about the Saints' most recent signing in Rashard Matthews forcing mm-hmm. Tennessee Titans a wideout. Obviously, to have him, you had to kind of give up Trayvon Drow, former LSU Tiger and Brobridge native. Tough break for him. But with that being said, with Rashard Matthews, what do you think his likelihood is of kind of being in that, kind of adding a lot of wide receiver depth? And what do you think he's going to want, what his role is going to wind up being? I actually really like the signing of Rashad Matthews. I wanted it back in 2016 when he was a free agent, and actually he was somebody that I was looking forward to if the Saints weren't able to land Cameron Meredith. Now looking back at that, I kind of wish they would have gone Rashad Matthews instead of Cameron Meredith, but we'll see what happens there once we get into training camp. Uh, on Traven Durrell first, I got to say it was it was heartbreaking to see him get released as an LSU guy, and then especially as myself living in Cecilia and Onnesville for a little while and being right across, like pretty much, uh, you know, just a, a stone's throw away from Bro Ridge and uh, and knowing of him coming up, uh, it kind of it, it stung to see him go, but unfortunately just hasn't been able to recover from that humorous um, uh, injury and hasn't been able to see the field. And once you kind of get through mini camp, that's where they try to set that ninety man roster so that they know what they're going into training camp for. And if they don't see you at that point, then it makes yeah. it kind of tough to bring you in. You know what I mean? Um, so tough break, but hopefully maybe he'll find his way back or he finds his way to a new team once he's fully healed up and able to get out on the field. But yeah. when it comes to Rashard Matthews, I think that Rashard Matthews is a really great signing. I mean, 2018 was kind of a wash for him because he had the hamstring injury. He only was targeted nine times the entire season. He ended up leaving Tennessee because he wasn't getting any targets after putting up two great seasons in 2016 and 2000. I'm sorry. Yeah. 2016, 2017, where he went over 900 yards, one of those seasons and over 800 yards, I'm sorry, 700 yards, another one of those seasons. And so uh, I think that his versatility playing on the outside as a boundary wide receiver, or as a perimeter wide receiver, as well as playing in the slot are going to be really, really valuable for him throughout training camp. And I could easily see him being sort of the fourth or fifth wide receiver in the group. I like that a lot. Talking right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. You brought up Trayvon Durrell, his injury. Cam Meredith, it feels like just the never-ending saga with him and injuries. It feels like he could very well be one of those guys that doesn't make the 90-man roster when it's all said and done with training camp kind of looming large. So one of the reasons why I mentioned Rashard Matthews is the fourth or fifth wide receiver because, for me, the top three guys are already there, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., Traquan Smith. For me, one of the next guys is Keith Kirkwood because he really stood out wide receiver undrafted last year out of Temple. Uh, kind of got thrown into action last year in the Cincinnati Bengals game, caught two catches for 45 yards in his first game and ran some really great routes, actually. And, of course, he was playing against a very poor secondary in Cincinnati, but continued to make some plays throughout. Caught another touchdown against the uh, against the Eagles. Caught another one against the the uh, Cowboys as well. The only touchdown against the Cowboys. The only 
receiving touchdown against the Cowboys. And then, uh, you know, he's somebody that I think can really, really stand out. He got thrust into action because of Cameron Meredith's injury and also because of the Des Bryant sign and then subsequent injury the next day. And so I see him as somebody that's in there in terms of fourth or fifth wide receiver conversation. And then Rashard Matthews is really the only one left on the Saints list outside of Cameron Meredith that has some veteran experience, that has some NFL experience, aside from maybe Austin Carr. But the rest of these guys, you know, Emmanuel Butler, um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, undrafted free agents, uh, Deontay Harris as well, undrafted free agent as well, as an outstanding returner out of Assumption College, owns the all-division NCAA return record, return touchdown record with 14 total return touchdowns in terms of kick and punt returns. So there's a lot of options for wide receivers there for the Saints. But uh, Keith Kirkwood and uh, Rashard Matthews, I think, leap Cam Meredith at this moment. He you know, had mentioned that he's been sitting out of OTAs because of the same knee injury that kept him in only six games last season. But until I really see him on the field and he's trying to make it back for training camp, until I really see him there, mm-hmm. I can't really put him in. The, I can't really see him making the cut at the moment. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked On Saints podcast. A couple more questions for him on the Saints side of things. And I have to say, this was really kind of cool on Thursday during the final minicamp practice. Teddy Bridgewater and Alvin Kamara <laughs> kind of swapping jerseys and positions. Did, did we just potentially see like a spoiler of a play call to come where basically you see Alvin Kamara toss one out to Teddy Bridgewater for a touchdown, like a fourth and goal at two? I'm looking forward to the Saints being the first team ever to line up a running back at quarterback and then three quarterbacks as wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> now you've got Teddy Bridgewater and Alvin Kamara cutting up. You've got Taysom Hill working out at slot receiver. You've got Drew Brees talking about how he's ready to catch a touchdown pass, and he was ready last season. He's ready to do it this season. So go ahead, Sean Payton. Get it ready for us. No, I love it. I love seeing it because one of the things that really stood out to me about it, and it's kind of more of an off the field kind of a thing, but you know, we all kind of looked at the the the, the loss of Mark Ingram as this big culture hit, you know, when he when he left New Orleans to sign with the Baltimore Ravens. And one of the people that we constantly brought up as a concerning factor with all of that was Alvin Kamara because they were very close or are very close. They still are. But you kind of felt bad for Alvin Kamara and kind of wondered, you know, how's the dynamic going to be in the room now? But it looks like he's actually found kind of maybe another sort of comrade in that uh, in that locker room in Teddy Bridgewater. So it was a lot of fun to see them cutting up and having fun yesterday it's just or great. a couple of days ago. Oh, it was awesome a couple of days ago just hearing about that, just what was going on with that. And it made me think, like, we're talking about it, like a, a three-wide receiver set, hypothetically, Drew Brees, a Taysom Hill, and Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> you have Latavius Murray in the backfield. Flea flicker, 40-yard touchdown pass to Taysom Hill. Imagine how, like, crazy, if you did that in the Superdome, imagine how like, oh, lit that goodness. place would be. Shut it down. Yeah. Shut it down. You'd have to, you'd have to start <laughs> rebuilding it now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, oh. it's amazing right now to see what's going on with that team talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked On Saints podcast. And I saw you put this on social media. We're going to kind of go a little bit more lighter side of what's been going on with you. You actually took a really cool picture at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge with the Millennium Falcon. What is going on with that? That was just an awesome picture, by the way. Thank you. Yo, thank you. Yeah, so um, I was out in California. I was out in uh, Anaheim, California a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of my sort of, my, I guess, my, my pay-the-bills job along with uh, sports analysts is, is running over and doing uh, events, and that's kind of what I do. I, I manage events. 
I stage manage live shows, stuff like that. So like musicals like Wicked and stuff like that I've worked on. And so that's part of what the the other half of my, my life is. And so one of the things that I got the opportunity to do was go and be a floor manager for the grand opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So my responsibility that day was actually getting these national news sites in to ride the Millennium Falcon ride, take some video and everything so that when the information embargo lifted, they could start sharing information to help promote uh, the new part of the park. So that's why I was there. Uh, I was there for three days, like 14 hours a day, which is not a bad way to spend 14 hours of your day messing around in Batu on the uh, on, on the Millennium Falcon ride and visiting the cantina. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like not a bad way to spend a day. <laughs> oh, hell no. That's a badass way to spend any any time of day and you know, just just for giggles and grins here, favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, I gotta go back to the original trilogy. Okay. I think just because it, you know that that would essentially be uh, where it all kind of started for me. Um, but which one do I pick? It's so tough, man. It's tough, especially in the original trilogy. Like I, I can't, I can't jump into maybe. Oh, man, are people going to hate me if I go Return of the Jedi? <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me, people hate me enough for the fact I went with The Last Jedi. People, I got heat for that all over social media after I dropped that one. And I knew I, I was. Go with you. <laughs> That's all right, man. Look, let people like what they like. Yo. Yes. It's totally fine. I'm going to go Return of the Jedi for me. <laughs> I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with that. Thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. I'm up against it. going to wrap up the show. Absolutely, homie. Thanks so much for having me in, and I'll talk to you again soon. All right, that was Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered and Locked on Saints podcast. The man knows what he's talking about. Can't wait to have him on down the line. Once we get into training camp mode, preseason, regular season, dude's going to be on every Saturday morning. I'm damn sure going to try to get him on. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Wrapping it up next with my thoughts on, obviously, my grade for LSU Athletics in 2019. We'll be back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We are Acadiana's number one sports station. Listen to 1037's 20 by 20. From the preps. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. And everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. Just a little bit of time left. Time to get to my thoughts on LSU Athletics in 2019 and the grade I give it. And it's got to be, without a doubt, a B plus. And I'm considering LSU this year to be a B-plus player overall. And get to my thoughts on that in it's going to be more of a long-form thought process when it comes to LSU athletics. I'm going to get to it just step-by-step. Step. Football. we got to start things off there. Everybody's, everything's got to kind of start off with football here in Louisiana. It makes sense, right? Of course, with football, I think we got to wind up saying right out the gate, LSU wound up being kind of a big winner and exceeding expectations. You look at a lot of the top 25 teams they've played to start the season, Miami, you saw them beat Auburn, a walk-off field goal from Cole Tracy, which was outstanding. You saw that happen. You saw them beat Georgia like a drum. And this was a Georgia team that was coming off of college football playoff win. 
college football playoff appearance. You saw that. And now you see this. We're talking about this moment in time with LSU. With LSU it, losing to Bama, losing to Texas A&M in a seven-overtime ball game, but then getting into New Year's Six Bowl, New Year's Day. Joe Burrow is an absolute beast, ends the season on top, and a pretty good win over UCF, snapping the quote-unquote national champion's undefeated streak and making them the one in 26-1, and Los Angeles. Anyway, you have that. A lot of great positives to take away from base, from football, basketball, Sweet 16 appearance amidst all the controversy that happened, SEC regular season champs for the first time in a long time. Of course, you know, exited in really bad fashion against against Sparty. One of just getting completely trounced. But overall, that was a really good season. Women's basketball, I'm not even going to give it the time of day, to be quite honest with you. Not giving it the time of damn day. Because we all know how much that sucked. Track and field, really, really good this year. I felt like that was just a absolute highlight of LSU's year. Track and field, Monty Duplantis, Shakari Richardson, Javon Harris, and you know all about those names and the records they set this year. They are going to be phenomenal track and field athletes and great people off the field when their playing days are all said and done. Of course, softball, I think it's as expected, but also the fact they got they exited early, it showed maybe a, a drop down in the amount of what they've been able to do. But they were still good. It just wasn't necessarily good enough to get back to the Women's College World Series. LSU baseball, their expectations were Omaha or bust because of Zach Hess, Antoine Duplantis all coming back. And now, they, now they're gone, and you have really nothing to show for it. You weren't in the College World Series for a second straight year, which doesn't really happen that often. When you just look at the history of LSU, especially the recent history, because it was two, it was every other year, like for for a few years, where they were in that college world series, where they were in Omaha, and Omaha isn't necessarily happy about it. But you know, what? it is what it is. It's just you, sometimes you just got to face the facts of life when you look at LSU baseball, and it's not necessarily going to be Omaha every single year. It feels like it should be every other year, but doesn't necessarily work out that way. But it was a great season nonetheless. Overall, all athletics for LSU, I'm giving it a B-plus bottom line. Hope you have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. Astros baseball can be right here on 103.7 The Game and also all weekend long on Acadia Sports Station because that's how we handle things here. It's all weekend long, and I'm out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday with live and local programming, starting with RP3 and company from 6 to 9 a.m., I'm sure he's going to have all kinds of great stuff to kind of recap a great weekend that was right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it. Live from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is KLW.